Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, this is the Aerial Assassin, Will Ospreay, coming from you live from the Tokyo Dome in Japan, and you are listening to WrestleCast Radio. Hope you guys are having a good day. God bless. Mr. Young, I'd like to get a training update from you. Life coach, training has been great. I ran five miles today. Run. As your life coach, I don't allow you to run. But coach, I got to get my cardio in. What am I supposed walk, to do? Walk, walk. Walk, walk. briskly. Walk briskly? So you don't want me to ever run? Maybe, just maybe if you miss the bus. I stopped running in 1978. <laughs> wow, that was way before I was born, but... I've got I... your car keys here. Coach. And it's going to take you eight hours to walk to the next town. Eight hours? Coach... Why are you... Hey, dig deep. If you get there too fast, I'll know you ran. I'm here to set the record straight today. I want to tell everybody in WCW why I was called terrorizing. I was brought here as a boy from France to be educated in the best schools in the United States. And I got the name by beating up all the American punks in the schools. I was given the nickname terrorizing. Well, now I am no longer a boy. I am Jean-Paul Levesque the greatest professional wrestler in the world today. Remember the name, Jean-Paul Levesque. Arr, 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 arr. There's a lot of things going on in the World Wrestling Federation right now. And yes, the Red Rooster wants to get his claw right in the middle of it and stir it up a little bit. A lot of people have been saying, what's been going on, Rooster? Well, everything's going on. The World Wrestling Federation is number one. And yes, the Red Rooster's trying to claw his way to the top of this federation. There's a lot of great talent around here, and I'll tell you why. Because the fans are the greatest. I thank each and every one of you Rooster Boosters, because with your support and my Rooster Wing hold, I don't feel like there's a guy here that I can't beat. Yukon John Nord, his partner Scott Norton, and I'll tell you what, Yukon, you made quick work at a big spike. Hey, let's set up! My partner, Scott Norton, I'm going to tell you a story. We was up in the Yukon, we got up early one morning, and we was chopping trees and chopping wood, and Big Scott had got to the lumber shack before us. And everybody knows what lumberjacks eat. They eat a lot of pancakes. My name is Thurman Plug, but my friends, they call me Sparky. You call me Sparky, too. I never really worked with Hulk Hogan that much. I don't know him that well. I know you guys did in WCW. What can you tell me about the Hulk? You mean personally? Yeah, personally. Well, Mick, I didn't date him. I don't know anything about personally, but... I'm in control here. And you're going to give me what I want. You know what it is. Give me what I want. You know what I want. I've been asking for it for years. You're going to give me what I want, or I'm going to continue to hurt people you love. I'm give me what I want. You. Give me what I want. Ladies and gentlemen, Randy Bryant. The last two long years is finally over. Been a long, long wait. You're going down this time, Bill. You're going down. We'll be back.
on another episode 175, and we are talking what we've been waiting for, Alex. It's time to talk some New Japan Gaming G1 Climax. Go, go, go. Yes, it is. It's time. I've, I've done my normal tournament watching about 79, 8% of the full tournament. Hey, it's a lot better than when WrestleCast Radio first came about. Uh, or 135 episodes ago, uh, but uh, no, very excited. Uh, binge watching uh, over the last couple of days. And uh, speaking though of uh, G1 Climax, <clears throat> found out earlier today that one of the cocks of the walk, the the uh, the Lady Slayer, if you will, back in the day was one uh, Red Rooster himself. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I can see it. Uh, you know, he, he was a good-looking guy, but back in his day, the women, they, when he was uh, Terrence Taylor, and part of the, um, oh, it was Marlena's group, uh, Enterprise, something Enterprise, was Richard Morton, when Ricky Morton did that gimmick. Oh, okay, okay. I can uh, see what the, you see the thing was submissive, so I'm sure that was a big thing back in the, the 80s and 90s. That Terry Taylor. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, let's see. It wasn't that one. It wasn't WWF. York Enterprises, I think, is what it was called. Oh, that's a tight name. Yeah, York Enterprises. And uh, he kind of ran through. It was the York Foundation. That's what it was. Um, Taylor took Wall Street's place in the York Foundation as it was renamed Terrence Taylor. Um, and they, <laughs> they, uh, they defeated him and uh, Steve Austin beat Pia News and Bobby he- Eaton. Which is a wild day team. Um, which Richard Morton and Thomas Rich, the formerly known as Wildfire Tommy Rich. <laughs> was Bobby Eaton the guy, if I remember correctly, from WCW Saturday Night, where on his uh, tights it was like the world? It was like the globe was on his tights, if I remember correctly? So Bobby, beautiful Bobby Eaton was part of the Midnight Express with Dennis Condry or Stan, or Stan Lane. He yeah, had like but I'm. Mullet. Oh, he might have had a, a world on there, I guess. Because he was in the Dangerous Alliance, too, with Zabisco and Austin and Rick Rude. Oh, yeah, that was definitely the guy that I was thinking about. Yep, perfect. He's like one of the, most the people that live in this town. Get him on the f wording show. Oh, man. You will be hospitalized due to heart failure this past June, so... Good well, sir. Awesome. Um, yeah, Terry Taylor, I guess, was, uh, you know, he, he was no Robert Gibson, I'm sure, with the googly eyes. Could you imagine Ricky Morton brings him on a blind date, and the girl that's going to date him is like, Jesus, when he, goes, he like looks at her, he takes off his shades, and his eyes just bang, go everywhere. <laughs> oh, ladder war. <laughs> um, you know, obviously we're talking G1, but uh, we we got we had some uh, news that came out today. WWE.com is advertising this. Uh, you have the article in front of you, Alex. Kind of a short article. Article. Uh, why don't you read this article real quick, and uh, we can kind of talk about WWE's newest signing. Yeah, we're talking about the new uh, class uh, that entered the WWE Performance Center. Down in Orlando, Florida, uh, yes, 
yesterday uh, when we're doing our over and SummerSlam recaps. Uh, check it out on blogtalkradio.com forward slash strong style media or just search strong, strong style media, WrestleCast Radio on all your podcast providers. But uh, we're talking about the new class and such Austin Theory, Santana Garrett, uh, King Cuerno. A favorite of uh, of, of Jordan's yeah. there from uh, from Sports Talk Radio, uh, but the guy who I just casually mentioned, so I'm like, ah, it's a Japanese guy, you know, I'm sure it'll gain some steam. Uh, Tokamitsu Ishizawa, who made his name in a squared circle as a masked grappler, Kashin, is the newest coach to join WWE's training facility in Orlando, Florida. An accomplished freestyle wrestler in his youth. Ishizawa turned pro in the early 1990s and went on to hold junior heavyweight titles in New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Japan Pro Wrestling. A feared submission specialist, Ishizawa also fought in professional mixed martial arts, including for the now-defunct Pride Fighting Championships League. Wow, I didn't know Pride went went under. Ishizawa also competed in Europe and the United States during his in-ring career. In 2002, Pro Wrestling Illustrated named him the 22nd best wrestler in the world in its annual PWI 500 rankings. Ishizawa was invited to be a guest coach at the WWE Performance Center last February. At the time, Finn Balor posted a photo of himself alongside Ishizawa and noted that the Japanese legend was his first trainer upon arriving to the land of the rising sun. Again, over on WWE.com. Uh, awesome uh, little view. He looks like um, like he can kick your butt. I suppose. Um, <laughs> in there. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, like I like I mentioned earlier, I saw the picture. I saw this article a little earlier on one of the uh, the dirt sheets, and uh, at first it was because he's in his mask. Um, and there's a picture of without his mask, and then him with his mask with Finn Balor there. And I was like, oh, so that's what happened when Luchasaurus uh, gets older. <laughs> so, I have some thoughts on this, and I thought this was the perfect, the perfect discussion point after uh, closing yesterday's uh, SummerSlam. I'm actually, we're going to make an impromptu phone call. I told you about in the room here. We're going to call Mike Grunel, who's a wrestling savant. Uh, Guarano, man, man, I'll answer. We'll see what happens, but we're going to try this because this will be a perfect way to lead into it. So I'm getting his number now. Okay, I'm calling him right now. Let's see if he answers. Um, if he doesn't answer, can you blame him for not being Liger at the Mall of America like you did to uh, Mean Dean? I can give it a shot. Let's see what happens here. Come on, Mike. Don't let it down. Oh, he's not going to answer. You have reached the voicemail box uh, of 651. Don't give it a super out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pull up Takagi from the uh, the Weapon Rumble where he uses the phone number of his opponent and puts it on the big screen and everyone can call him if they call him Mao. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, by the way, that uh, I'm, I'm watching a match I, I did not see during the tournament. Uh, the Battle of the White Guys, the Brits, if you will, um, Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. starting hot and heavy. I'll try one more time and then we'll give up on it. Come on, Mike. Come on, Mikey. Uh, 
Hello. Hello. Hey, yeah, you're cutting in and out here. Let me see if I can step outside and get better reception. Sorry. I can try to get closer to the thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mike Reno, famous New York Met fan, uh, friend of the show, we've always talked to. Um, yeah, Mike, Cur- currently at Camp Ripley. He's rocking a little training. Uh, he, he's doing his uh, his due diligence for the country. Uh, I need you to do the due diligence for wrestling fans for me, Mike. Are you ready for my question? So I have to put you yeah, on the spot yeah, on my radio. Here we go. I'm ready to call you because you're a survivor like us. What was the worst Ring of Honor show in the history of the company? Okay, well, I, I, yeah, I gave that one some, give, giving it some thought here, but the first one that comes to mind would be they, and it's crazy because they, they had a really good uh, lineup, but they did a show called The Best of the American Super Juniors in 2005. You're going there. And Let's go. It's crazy because it's crazy if you look at the lineup of people, you got Daniel Bryan, you got you know Spanky slash Brian Kendrick, you got Jamie Noble, Roger Strong, all these solid guys, but it was just garbage show. You Kenda Kashin freaking ended up more or less hijacking it and just turned it into a kind of a crap show. Yeah, it was a dumpster fire. It was one of those deals where it should have been great and ended up being a dumpster fire. Um, and and Kendall Kashin go by on this show for his miraculous new American gimmick. Yeah. Do you remember what yeah. his name he, he went as Dragon Soldier B, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Soldier B, ladies and gentlemen. Dragon Soldier it's B. Pretty it was pretty <laughs> awful. This impromptu call, and uh, you went off my, my opening subject so perfectly. Um, I'm going to give you a hug at the draft. Thank you for answering, and uh, thank you for ter- participating, no. Mike. Not a problem. I have to get back to work because work don't stop up here. Ladies and gentlemen, Kendall Kishin is straight trash, and what a perfect segue from the trash and the SummerSlam card that we see. I I, I bet you this guy was the agent for uh, some of these matches on this show, Alex. Uh, The reason you've never heard of him is because he was nothing, nothing special. Oh my God! Why was he ranked 22nd out of 500 on the PWI? So, so uh, in, in the year 2000, right? He goes into his MMA prize show where he fights Ryan Gracie and gets the shit kicked out of him. Ryan yeah, Gracie, stupid. Stupid. It's a rematch, and he defeats Ryan Gracie via TKO. Holy shit, we got a shooter. And he just has Kendo Kashin go on this run of like somebody main eventing the Tokyo Dome. As the the junior heavyweight champion, um, just running through all these people. Um, (laughs) And he, I mean, this dude is the epitome of the headlock. Like, when you want a bowling headlock match, this is that guy. Um, They call him a. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, do you think he's running via TKO, Alex? I, I probably. I like the TKO that fan who uh, jumped uh, Mr. G- Mr. Garano, um, you know, in, in that EWI show. Get your security right, EWI. Um, but fun fact, 
uh, Kendall Kashin, uh, the year that he went 22 in 2001, Ryan, what ranking was the, the newest uh, performance center uh, trainer? He wasn't even ranked. He was ranked. <laughs> or was it close to 22? Over or under 100. Right. Over. Over. Yes. <laughs> he was 162 the previous year. He jumped up 140 spots. Yeah, was it 2003? Uh, I'll, I'll check that here in a bit, but his Three. matches for that year. Wow. So he he gets his victory over Ryan Gracie. There's like 15 seconds left or whatever in the um, – I think this was the Fatal Random and Famous Power Slam show. But uh, there's like 15 seconds left in the round, and Ryan Gracie has kicked the living shit out of Kendall Kashin with leg kicks, just annihilating him. Like, Kendall Kashin could barely stand. Ryan Gracie happens to, like, shatter his knee by kicking Kendall Kashin so much that he falls over, and they, they stop the fight and give him the TKO victory via injury. Because Ryan Gracie kicked him so many times he hurt his own leg. Wow. 2003, Ryan. Over under Kendall Kashin's ranking on the PWI 500. And again, 2003, over under 100. Spies. Please tell me it's over. It's over? Like, yeah, he's worse than 100. Yes, yes. Uh, no, no, he's actually not worse than 100. Only dropped a 61 spots uh, to 83. Oh, I was hoping it was way worse. Um, this guy, Ryan Lawler and Mitsuhara Misawa ranked higher than him, as did Nunzio. Damn right, Misawa did. This guy fought Shibata in a in a in like an actual MMA fight. And Shibata was never a good fighter. He just you know he had techniques or whatever, but you know he just knew the stuff. But he he got knocked out from Shibata. And Shibata really. Shibata, let's see, what is his MMA record? Um, he, total mixed martial arts record, he's 4 and 10, but he doesn't have a knockout victory over Kendo Kashin. <laughs> wow. I, I think that Minoru Tanaka ranked higher than Steve Austin in 2002. <laughs> um, Kendo Kashin, so they won a tournament in uh, Anoki let two of his guys go to ROH for the best of the American Super Junior Tournament. And basically said that Kendo Kashin has to win if you're going to do it. And I said, okay, well, you know, we'll get one of our guys in. And he goes, no, my other guy I'm sending you has to be in the final with him. So we had Brian Danielson, Brian Kendrick, Matt Seidel, Alex Shelley, James Gibson, and Roderick Strong in this tournament. None of them made the finals. Instead, it was the Black Tiger who was – uh, early Roderick Strong, which is fine, um, losing to Dragon Soldier B in the finals. Gabe, Gabe Sapolsky didn't even put the tournament final on last. They had four, five, six, seven tournament matches in the first nine matches to get it over with because he knew how bad it was going to be. <laughs> that's horrible. That's that's just oblivious to everything. Like, like you know, uh, Green was saying with that talent that you just uh, you're just like how could it be possibly that bad it seems like it's Ring of Honor 2019 oh 
<laughs> like, Richard Strong lost to James Gibson early in the show, so that way he could um he could be their tag team scramble match later with uh, Jack Evans with Jen next. Um, Damn, and, Jack Evans has been teaming that long. Yeah. I thought he was just a new guy. He stacks the main event with Austin Aries against Homicide for the ROH title. So like he, he stacked it with a big match to end it. Like Kim Okashin is like. <laughs> Somebody, I was reading something online and somebody said, oh, well, that all makes sense why AJ Styles and Ricochet just laid on the canvas the whole time. Uh, Kendo Kishin must have been the agent for the match. Ooh. So do you think someone, like, randomly saw this PWI list? Like, whoa, this guy was in New Japan. He was a New Japan guy in all Japan. All the kids are talking about them. And then essentially it was like bit or trips. You gotta hire this guy. He has a new Japan credibility. And then now the the yokes on them. Like wow, I like I said, I just bypassed it because I never heard of him. I thought I was just some, you know, American mark. Uh which I guess I am, but due to the fact that come on now, like do your research. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's a better trainer. He trained Finn Balor. In Japan, so that's got to be something. You enjoyed Prince Devitt, correct? Yep, yep. I don't know where any of uh, Devitt came from on a uh, Kendo Kashin. Um, <laughs> Does that change your opinion on him now, just due to the fact that he does no cardio and still looks like that? Does no, because no, no, uh, he's tight. He broke away from uh, being trained by Kendo Kashin. This dude's gimmick got to the point where he was so lazy and just not good that he, like, was a parody of himself where his gimmick was he wasn't good at wrestling because he just stopped caring. Was he Antonio Honda? <laughs> and he, he wishes he was Antonio Honda. <laughs> I'm kidding. Antonio Honda's actually not bad. He's just a good comical guy who loves to, uh, you know, trip. The go, go, go. I started doing my Harada at the beginning of the show. I want to see you go. Go, go. I was getting all into it and shit. I hope if I call Garino of all people, he, the first thing he's going to say is uh, Dragon Soldier B and the best of the American Super Juniors. <laughs> I love, by the way, he was protecting America and did an awesome summary on how how crappy he is as a wrestler probably a trainer I remember way back in the day when he was on there somebody was like why are you guys booking Dragon Soldier B when you've never reviewed Dragon Soldier A yet (laughs) wow I just this this like when you like I realized after seeing this article today I went, oh my god, he did see uh, Tokimitsu Ishizawa last night. And this was like, why does that name sound familiar? Like, oh my god, it's Kendo Kashin. He looks like he looks like how he wrestles in that performance center picture. Like that's, that's the epitome of this guy. I mean, he's Oh I man, so- this is not promising. I'm watching a little bit of him. Uh he's got a cool little uh scepter. It's not as cool as evil, but it's pretty rad. Like when I was a kid, and you know, you know, when you were kid trading, I was a teenager. Um, 
you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And I saw Ken Okashin, I was like, whoa, this guy's got to be awesome. Look at his mask and his cool, like, ring gear. And then, like, I'm like, oh, okay. I wonder what else is on this tape. <laughs> That's not the end of Ken Okashin's run. He looks like a uh-huh. bootleg. Uh, non- In one picture, he looks like he's trying to be Muda, but then I look at others and I'm like, nah, not really. So, yeah, after seeing that, I thought that was a perfect way to lead in here because with our thoughts of SummerSlam last night, this is almost like Vince McMahon walked by and high-fived everyone. was like, oh, that show was a success. So, oh, bitch, I got us another Japanese guy, too. His name is Kevin It was just like a meh show, like SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it was just there. Like it happened, and then, yeah. Like we're NXT. Like, like I said, all five of those matches had interesting finishes. Like the each word is like, whoa! Like that just happened. Like either you know it, it was you know two spears and then a splash by Montez Ford to end the tag titles, or you know you, you get Pete Dunne just getting maliciously beaten down by the two you know uh, opponents. There were was were originally just supposed to be in the singles match, and then done, you know, taking the brunt of the the uh, the beatdowns, I guess, and and then taking the pin um, to you know, of course, Candice LeRae not even giving up, but the ref stopping it uh, just because you know the Io Shirai is just badass and all her badassery, and then of course, yeah, we're gonna throw each other off of this uh, this steel cage with barbed wire, mind you, through a table. And then, you know, just end, end it that way. So it's just, you know, where, where SummerSlam just happened. You know, and there, there were probably two watchable matches. But, you know, I went back to that, that SummerSlam 2018 card, you know, that we're talking a little yesterday. And again, besides Becky Lynch, you know, kind of effectively, you know, being the, the, the start of her, her rebirth of this character of the man that we know and love, <clears throat> air quotes today, <laughs> um, it, it was the Miz and Daniel Bryan, which we were all excited for. It was like, whoa, Daniel Bryan just got cleared. He's, he, you know, he's not going to show up at all in, which sucked. Um, but it's just like, yeah, Daniel Bryan, the Miz, talking smack. There's so much history, you know, the original NXT, tough enough. And then just nothing. I don't remember anything from that match, probably besides being disappointed. Um, so yeah, there, there just was really nothing within these events. And I used to love summer slams. Hell, I went to SummerSlam 94 for God's sake, seeing Leslie Nielsen on the, uh, on the big screen at the United center, uh, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, Walter Payton in the corner of Razor Ramon, my guy, but uh, from back in the day and today as well. Um, who's a, apparently a trainer at the performance center as well. So that is awesome. Um, yeah, this Otani uh, cash-in match is not entertaining. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I mean, Otani is very entertaining, but uh, Kendall Cashin is getting murked. Um, so, but yeah, SummerSlam used to be awesome. I mean, of course, you have the pile driver from Owen to, to, to Steve Austin. You have, you know, the highway to hell, which wasn't the best match in the world because you had that ladder match with Triple H and The Rock, which, you know, kind of emerged them into, you know, the kind of that, that superstar status, or, or at least, again, it was some, some uh, plants that were seeded. What? That were planted? Anyway, so it's been a long day. 
Um, <laughs> it, it's, you know, just nothing. 2002, which I still think is one of, if not the best summer slams. So it just has been kind of meh, you know, type of thing. So hopefully they had NXT on their side. And also that they had the finals, uh, the final couple of days of the G1 Climax 29, Ryan. Why are we are all here? No more, uh, no more uh, question talk. Because Otani is just talking trash after he uh, took care of that guy. Yeah, I, I am not. I just, I, I couldn't stop laughing. Like, like this is the epitome of what we were just talking about twelve hours ago. Yes, New <laughs> Japan has has the the mouth humping left. I backed away. Yeah. Okay. You hump I was getting really. Mike is. I, I think it's because I was getting really adamant and I was standing up at that point, so I was like almost kissing the microphone because I was so irritated. Whoa. I need to take like a, a value or one of those things. What is something to calm me down? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Zach Sabre Jr., by the way. Uh, God. So good. Will Opera is so good. I'm, I'm watching this match, I believe, from. Uh, gosh, when was it? Probably uh, night. Nice br- 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 no. July 30th. Eleven, late eleven. Um, so some of the things that like this show had, uh, this tournament had a lot of surprises, but a lot of really good things too. Um, Jay White beating Tetsuya Naito was wild. Um, yeah. I never thought Naito wasn't going to get in there. As much as we kind of second guess some of the things, I, I mean, everybody went with Naito with this. Um, the fact that Goto was the runner-up, and literally if Goto would have not lost to Shingo, Goto would have won the block no matter who won between Naito and White, or who won between Moxley and Juice, because Goto had tiebreakers over all of them. So, Goto, your B-block runner-up again, which is interesting. It's it's crazy, because again, I, as we were all, you know, he had that night one win, over Jay White, you know, night one of the B block, of course, or night two, I guess, if you want to be technical. Scott, it's crazy with that. But, God, he made him tap. That's nuts. Um, but, anywho, um, for him to beat Jay White, who was, you know, kind of one of the, you know, favorites to win, he, I believe he was in my final um, against Kota Ibushi. But um, it was just the, the factor of, like, all right, here's Goto's slide. You know, then he just took loss after loss. And then we're, we're talking the other day because I was like, man, I you know, haven't had time, blah, blah, blah. And I, I watched like the final, you know, five nights. And then Goto just on a roll. You know, we were just like, he looks so amped, so you know, physically fit for this tournament, you know, or, or, or for a while anyways. And he just, um, you know, had some outstanding, outstanding matches. Um, in, including the one, like you said, against Shingo Takagi, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. But uh, but Jay White beating Tetsuya Naito, I don't know, man. I mean that that's a shocker, but a shocker in its uh, you know of its own. You know, a Naito starting. Off, man. Yeah, <laughs> but Naito, you know, kind of you know losing, you know, quite a bit, you know, right, right away. So, um, which I thought, you know. People, including myself, were just like, "What?" <laughs> you know, Taiki beating him. You know, the first night of the B block, um, and then you know he gets his win against Goto, which you know that's what started Goto's mini slide there. And then you know, uh, you know he gets the win against Ishii, 
But then he just kind of goes on this crazy slide because Toriano comes to town. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get my win against Naito just to piss him off. Yeah, it was it was really interesting, too. And, you know, looking back, we both had Naito block winner and we had Jay White runner up. Um, so I mean, we both knew it was going to come down to that match. But, you know, I, I don't think people th- – I think everyone's still in the back of their minds. They're like, well, Naito's got to win this thing because Naito's going to go to Wrestle Kingdom. There's no other storyline that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's it's very reminiscent of, we'll, we'll say, 10, 10 years ago um, for, like, the five years. Like, if we go back to 2009 and rock, like, the next five years, six years, it's very reminiscent of what everyone said. Man, what are they, or, this has got to be the year that Nakamura wins the G1. And he didn't. And he was always the IC champion. And he never was the, the IWGP. It was always Tanahashi, Okada, and then Nakamura. Mm-hmm. And has a very distinct pattern of my number two guy will rock that IC title and continue to help main event two different shows. And I get it. It just, you know, I, I really thought this was going to be finally be the time, but you know, it, it just says that if you have somebody who's driving record numbers like Kazuchika Okada is, why t- why stop? Why go away from it when every year he continues to make you more money than you made the year before? There's no reason to go away from it. I, I agree with that, and I think it's, you know, they, they have so many wrestlers now that they can depend on besides Naito, but he, he clearly still is that number two. But for me, you know, kind of watching these Naito matches – you know, again, him and Jay White, uh, you know, it started a little slow on, but I think Naito is going to pick up the win, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, just Jay White's like, no, I deserve to be here. He's like, I am the switchboard for a reason. And just had that crazy ass sequence, you know, kind of at the end where he hits, you know, two sleep duplexes, then Naito. And then there's a bunch of reversals and counters, you know, by, by the both of them. Then he spiked DDT's Naito on his head. Picks him up, Blade Runner there, where beforehand, Naito's escaping the Blade Runner. He's hitting reverse counters, Destino, but kicks out. You're just like, where's this going to go? You know, again, where, you know, Naito comes out, Tranquilo as can be, Saturday, Tetsuya Naito fever, if you will. But Jay White, man, I mean, I don't know if they've wrestled before. It felt fresh to me. And this was just something where I'm like, man, Bullet Club and, you know, uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón could definitely have that faction feud, you know, kind of going forward with these two guys because they, they definitely cemented something where I'm like, oh, I could watch this as a new, fresh feud with New Japan. And and this to me is telling that they're planning on doing Jay White Naito at the Dome, I think, for the IC title. Like, doesn't that feel like that's the route they're going to go next? I, especially with him getting that win, yes. And, and I, I would not mind that. And that will definitely be your, uh, one of your main events uh, for night one or night two, um, depending on, you know, what happens. Is, you know, night two, you know, I would, I would say it's a pretty safe bet that he kind of have that title still but I yeah Jay White you know definitely could could be in there I wouldn't be mad you know as we found out 
why couldn't this happen? Kota Ibushi, after he does win the G1 Climax against Jay White there, um, he says he wants the main event both nights. Go for the IC and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. I mean, if his, if his ankle's okay, why the hell not? You want to build this guy. You, you know, you've never given him the ball because he just always had that, you know, um, just that you know, come as you go, you know, just kind of an aspect where, God, I'm trying to say freelancer, where he was just never tied down to Japan. So, you know, they never, you know, gave him the marquee where now he signed with his blood uh, with a forever contract. Why the hell not, Ryan? Yeah. What's stopping that? Osprey, I'm sure, would probably do the same thing as he's just had a meeting for a type of year. Um, as Bushi has, uh, but I mean, could you foresee something like that happening? I don't now. think they do it just for the fact that you need the matches, and you're so. And, and especially with the way he said, he goes, "I'm going to go into what, uh, January 4th. I'm going to beat Okada for the title, and then on you know, January 5th, the next night, I'm going to beat Naito." There's no way that they're going to have him win the heavyweight title. And then go on the next night to fight for something lesser than the heavyweight title. That this company's not Wait. that dumb to make their 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 heavyweight look lower than their IC. They did it once because of a fan voting, and they'll never do that again. When that when Tanahashi Wait. and Nakamura got voted to be the main event, I think it'd be different if if it was against Naito the first night and Okada the second night. I mm-hmm. think that could be different. I think I think there's going to be a chance where. Well, I still have a weird thing in the back of my mind where I think Okada beats Ibushi and Neville comes out and he goes, let's go tomorrow. I want my shot. And Okada main events both shows. And Naito still beats him at the second show. I still have, until until January 6th, I still think Naito leaves the Dome as champion. I still think somehow they get to that. I just don't know Popularity how, yeah. aside for Lij and Tetsuya Naito, I mean, is his time kind of running out? Uh, it's where he He's can challenge for the dome. I mean, it's it's kind of you know, and I get it. It's a long tournament. It's nineteen nights of of action here, but a lot of with some of the wrestlers, you know, it just seemed like same old ish, depending on opponent that they had Naito you know again I get it tranquilo aspect but some of the matches were just so like I could even call the sequences that were about to happen in New Japan and I don't know if that's just me getting more comfortable with it but I was just like ah can he make it believable against Okada again in a championship setting on January 4th like, and I've always said this. I really enjoy Naito. I like the LIJ gimmick, and I think he's great at what he does. But, you know, not too long from now, he's going to be hitting his 40s. They haven't done anything with, the, with him yet. And I don't know. It's just, there's just something where, like, I know he's stupid popular, and I get all that. But there's got to be a reason why they don't pull the trigger on him. There's got to be something why. And I, I know that the easy answer is just, look, Kazuchi Okada is doing their best business every year, you know, since mm-hmm. 2012 when they when they found out that they had the best wrestler alive 
And, you know, seven years later, you're running multiple shows in other countries. That Royal Quest show coming up is going to be fantastic. Oh, my God. Suzuki. Get into that. Yeah. (laughs) It just, it doesn't stop with how good that, that they're doing. And it's no secret that they're doing business because this guy's on top. And, you know, look at look at how long Vince ran with Hogan on top. Look at look at how long they ran with Cena on top or Austin on top. Well, I guess Austin was only like three years, which is crazy to think. Um, but like Hogan transcended the game for the WWE in the '80s going into the '90s, and he was champ for you know. I mean, if you look at it, the first nine years of WrestleManias, I mean, he was champion for probably seven of those years. Yep. You know, Slaughter was champion, by the way. The guy <laughs> in GI Joe. So it's, it's I mean, but we like we've we've always said the the compare the contrast, I should say, with you know Naito and Okada, with with Austin and The Rock, and and mm-hmm. Hogan and Savage, where you know they just need that comparable number two, and Naito just fits in with that. He can challenge for the strap at any time, and it's gonna do crazy business. They're gonna see. Probably 60%, if not more, LIJ merch in that crowd and probably online comparable to Chaos and Okada, um, even though his Okada shirt is pretty rad. Um, but, you know, it, he, he, it just seems like he'd need that still because that popularity popularity is just there. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, Hogan Savage, you can look at – um, you you can look at like I said previously with Tanahashi and Nakamura. You can you know look at look at a lot of the stuff with uh, uh who I had a good one. I just I don't know why I just forgot what it was. But like, was Nakamura just champ once? Heavyweight. I think once or twice. Yeah, but it wasn't a lot. Because Naito just had it once, correct? Yeah, he had it once and he only had it for I think three months or something like that. Um, but you know even um. Like, Ric Flair was always your, your main champion, and your secondary was always, like, Nikita Koloff or something like that. So, it's, you know, <laughs> they've always ran with, if you have the guy, there's nothing wrong with using the other guy. That's Savage was IC champion a lot of the time, you know? It, was, it yeah. just made sense. You know, even Warrior, to an extent, was IC champion. You so, know, it doesn't just, make sense. Tomohiro Ishii not getting that damn shot. Yeah, never open weights, you know, Rev Pro champ, whatever. But when the hell is this guy? This guy, I'm sorry, he's probably in my top two, top three tournament MVPs, um, as we'll discuss here. But that guy just needs a damn title shot already. He needs it at the Dome or Dominion. Something of a big show, not King of Pro Wrestling or, you know, the the Road 2 type. I'd say King of Pro Wrestling. That's a pretty big show, though. I think that's when Tanahashi beat Styles for the title, and um, that was the big Okada-Marafuji match. That's Sorry, it, the title just makes it seem like, you know, like <laughs> great balls of fire. But but, but you're making, you know, your point is is perfect. Like, he deserves to be at one of these, like, Sakura Genesis, the the big Shibata Okada last time. Like, he needs something like that. Like, it doesn't need to be at, like, Power Struggle or something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, man. He does. He's, 
it's only really you see, and this, you know, I said this to you. If you look at this last decade, you know, 2010 or I guess 2011, you could say to start it because you'd go, you'd end at 2010, you go 11 to 20. <laughs> Is he not one of the five best wrestlers in the last decade? I would say yes. You know why? Because he makes stars, not yeah. by winning, by taking the pin. And just saying, you give me everything you got because I'm going to get up. Even if you hit me with your finisher twice, I'm going to get the hell up and say, come on, give me some more. Like, that's what he did in this tournament with Moxley, Juice Robinson, with Jay White. Again, you know, a good bash with Goto, with everyone on this. But more importantly, Shingo Takagi. Holy balls, what a fast oh my match. God. What a tournament with Shingo Takage, which, you know, we're talking dome preview. Uh, that's going to be my my match, hopefully night two, one of the uh, the, the last uh, two or three matches. Uh, Shingo Takage challenging Tomohiro Ishii for the never uh, open weight championship. <laughs> because give me more of that ish right there. That hard-hitting, pumping bomber where you just deliver so many lariats to Ishii. He's just like, all right, I'm dead. Even though he rose like a zombie <laughs> many times in his tournament, he, uh, it took Shingo forever to get him down. But, wow, that is definitely a match for a must-watch. Oh, my God. And, and, and Shingo won. Like, that was yeah. incredible. Um, it, I think that match actually overtook Osprey and Archer for my match for the tournament. I mean, it was it was a five, and I didn't have to think. I turned around and hit that five button on that bitch, and I was ready to roll. You know, um, Jen in the house. Alex wanted your dad to come down and give an MVP speech for our G1 <laughs> since Tomoyo Ishii's the shit. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good Paul Franco impersonation. Let's go down this list here. Um, so I started the Ishii the Terminator, by the way, in all the, in a lot of my notes, uh, especially after that Shingo match, I said, wow, that was a classic. Shingo getting the rub and taking down the Terminator, that is Ishii, match of the tourney for both men. Now, now, once again, I think from New Beginning in 2013, I, I need you to put this on your bucket list because I always give you so much stuff to watch. You don't watch any of it because there's just so much. Text this. You, you need to watch... Tomohiro Ishii defend the Never Title, or I was a challenger for the Never Title. I remember was champion against Tomoaki Honma. You will, you will go. Oh my God, Honma used to do that. Honma, come on, Honma Mania wasn't running wild in 2013. Ryan, come on. Oh, dude, Meltzer gave it the full five. I think it was the only one. It was incredible, dude. Tomoaki Honma, you know, you know the Kokaishi headbutt he does where he just falls over. Yep. He did that off the top rope to the floor and Ishii moved. Jeez. Oh he put his hands down. He landed just as flat as normal. He probably bounced a foot and a half off, half off the ground before he hit. It was like, oh my God. I, I couldn't believe they did that. It, it, no, I told you uh, New Japan on YouTube has that those awesome um, kind of American series where they kind of have the history of the G1 the, the US, right? and and they had the history of chaos on there and they, and they kind of like 
had a, you know, they didn't just talk chaos, but they showed like Ishii kind of coming in. And I was texting you mad that they were like, why have I never known about this? Hashi was good. Makabe was great. Like him and Yano were just murdering people. Like, I'm like, I want to get into that legit back catalog where it's just like the, you know, the, the era of like 2012, 2011, 2012 to about 2015. Like the year before I started watching New Japan is where I just want you to give me like 20 matches and just, you know, of that era. Are you, so, I, uh, not to get off topic, but are you going to be in town for the fantasy draft? Uh, no, probably not. Okay, Dookie Shoot. Well, never mind then. That that kills my Are idea. you off for All Out? Um, what day of the week is that? Saturday? Um, I can work early. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Um, next week, the week after, in the first week of September, I'm mandatory six days. I can leave early. I just get that. Hey, my kids, we're coming home early. Yeah, I really like doses. Because <laughs> 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 I was going to say, if you're up for the draft, we'd, we'd be able to watch that uh, Taka, uh, Takayama Mania Empire yeah. 2. Yeah. Ben Kay Yamato is also that morning. Um, but yeah, Ben King and Miles that, that morning. We can watch some of the old New Japan. Don't forget to check out WrestleCast Radio tomorrow night where Ryan's mic hopefully will get better, where we will talk Dragon Gates from uh, the 7th of August. What was Ooh. it called? Like Back to the Future? Uh, Dragon Gates. Um, Gates of uh, Adventure. Adventure <laughs> Night 4. <laughs> Uh, well, so let's let's go through this. So I went through today, and I took I took my average rating of all ten of the uh, or all nine of each person's matches, got an average rating, ranked them in their block, and then ranked their overall rating. Um, let's go overall rating, and then I'll give you their block rating as well. And just kind of we could just real quick give thoughts and feelings on some of these guys here. Okay. Um, Yes, on who finished 20 out of 20 people. Um, I'm going to have to go Fale. At a 2.75. Uh, his his highest rated match um, that I had for him was Archer. against Zack Sabre Jr. I gave him a 3.25. Damn. I, um, he is the only guy who did not have a match high um, uh, under four. Because even Yano got a four-star match. Is it so far-fetched? Who do you think will face Okada at the Dome first? Will Ospreay or Zack Sabre Jr.? Will Ospreay. I knew you were going to say that. Who technically... I, I, that's such a tough call, but I, I mean, I, I, th- I think Zack Sabre Jr., especially even with losses had uh, such a fantastic tournament. I believe they both ended with eight points, but uh, just some good stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, and we'll get to Zack Sabre. He's, we'll get to him later because he was pretty damn high on my list. That's crazy, too. Archer had six. Everybody else had eight. Then Okada and Abushi had 14. Like, talk about a log jam. Of, of well, just... what's crazy is Archer starts off hot. He wins the first two, 
and then he wins the last night in pretty damn uh, of the Apoc meaning in pretty damn convincing fashion. Yeah, he got six straight. I was surprised. I was like, wow, they're gonna give him some. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Let's let's pump the brakes. I guess on that that one. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed him. I mean, when it's on to your nineteen. Uh, no, no, my 19 uh, goes to uh, Toro Yano at a wow. 2.9. Uh, the main reason I think Yano did beat Bad Luck Folly is Yano's match with Toro Ishii, I went four stars on. Because he was wrestling. Like, he wrestled in that yeah. match for like four minutes. And he was throwing Yano, some I thought I had a pretty, pretty impressive tournament. It was enjoyable matches. They were just short, even shorter for Fale's sake. But it was, you know, it was the same old-ish, but they, they were enjoyable. And, hell, he got wins against, what, who, Naito and Jesus and Goto and all that stuff. All the guys that they, all the big names, Luke, lose to him. Yeah, you know, he could beat those guys. He beat Jay White, I think. You know, he beats the guys that he should beat because it doesn't hurt their loss. So, let's, I mean, if I look through it, I gave it, him and Jeff Cobb, I gave us three. I gave Yano and Taichi a two and a quarter. I gave Yano and Ishii a four. I gave Yano and Moxley a three and a half because I love that he tied Umino and, and uh, Moxley together with tape and left him around the guardrail. That was great. Yano and Gomez, I gave a two. Worst match in the tournament. That was just a stinker. Um, Yano and Juice, I a three and a quarter. Um, Yano and Jay White, I went two and a quarter. Um, Yano and Shingo, I went three. And then Yano and Naito, I went two and three quarters. So, I mean, it wasn't like a bad tournament, but it was, you know, it was whatever. I love um, on the last match. I'm surprised they did a hire for uh, Yano's bulge, but also how he took the Toru <laughs> of the Islands uh, from Jeff Cobb. The Toro of the Islands. <laughs> I like it. Um, number 18. Any thoughts on my number 18, Mr. Ben? Uh, I am going to go... I'm going to go Jeff Cobb. Hold that thought. We'll get to him in just a moment. Uh, number 18 was Taiichi for me. I went no! Three, 3.28 is what his average was for me. Okay, um, I, I just thought he had a, a four-star banger, man, against uh, Tomohiro Ishii. That that last match on night 18, I, I hope that's a turning point for, for Taichi there. Such um, an awesome was, match. I went three and three quarters, I almost went four. I was, I was sniffing it. Uh, my only thing is I feel like, uh-oh, if he's, um, if he's in there and... He beat Ishii. Is is this mean we're going to get Ishii and him in the in the championship then? Again, probably, but not not in England. So that's a good thing. <laughs> um, Which we'll get. My match for Taichi surprisingly was I went four stars with him and Jeff Cobb. I really Cobb, liked yeah. Yeah, thought that was a really fun match from uh, I think like night night fourteen maybe something like that. Um, no, it wasn't fourteen. No, it wasn't 12. It was earlier than I thought. Oh, 10, night 10. Yeah, four stars with it. Um, but you mentioned him. 
Sticking with our third of the four worst cases, uh, B Block owned Jeff Cobb. 3.56 for me with Jeff nice. Cobb. Um, so that's that's not too bad. Yeah, and, and when he is the fourth worst guy in my tournament, and that's his average, that, that's a pretty good tournament, you know. Um, match of the tournament for me, four and a quarter against Shingo. I love that match. Um, just just a big meat fight. So I was, I was, yeah. I was all over that. Um, that was pretty early on too, wasn't it? Wasn't that like night four? Yeah, I wish I would have wrote down the nights. I, I stupidly didn't when I went through these. Um, Cobb stupid, stupid. <laughs> why didn't Why didn't Kofi do that? <laughs> would that have made sense to I liked him <laughs> and Juice Robinson. I thought that was a really good uh, good matchup. Um, uh, the other Cobb match I really did enjoy was uh, Night 16. Him and Knight started off really slow as it kind of progressively kind of got on. Um, and then, you know, when, when Knight countered Destino, or when Cobb countered that Destino, uh, and then just threw yeah. Naito in there like a crazy F5 helicopter spin, um, I was like, holy crap, I think Cobb might pick up this uh, pick up this win. But of course, you know. I'll say this too. To be fair, um, I did the same, the same thing as Shingo and Cobb. I went four and a quarter on Naito and Cobb. I just I preferred the Shingo one better. But yeah, Naito and Cobb was just. I mean, that was it, it tied for my favorite match with Cobb. I mean, that was a tremendous match. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, sticking with the B block, uh, number sixteen, three point six for rating, uh, Hiroki Goto. Oh, man. Uh, did you have an inkling? I know it, it wasn't plausible, but he was in the running the last night of the B-Block, night 18, Ryan. Did you think he possibly could have had a chance? I mean, oh, yeah. Moxley, night 16, was a classic brawl, man. Great series of exchanges. Um, and Goto gets the win off of Moxley, which, like, Blew my mind, but just how he did it by countering the Death Rider, hitting the GTR, you know, and, and you know, after getting hit with the Dirty Deeds, mind you, um, you know, a, a prelude to the Death Rider. Um, it was just freaking awesome, that match. Yeah, I, I, every, I, that's what I've said, you know, I've always said that you could never count out Hiroki Goto on a G1. I mean, even as a shirt that says G is for Goto. I believe G1. it now. I believe yeah, he's out of the man. player. And when you look at it at the very end, the way they had it set up where he was wrestling Shingo, in my mind, I'm going, it all depends on how late on the card it is. Because if, if that's the true decider, like, if he's going to win this, he's got to go, like, near the end, which I didn't think he was going to do it, so that kind of took me out of it. Which then I was glad because it gave Shingo another nice win, but, you know, at the, at the time, I had that match wrong because I – no, I did pick Shingo to beat him in my predictions. So I, I did think he'd play spoiler on him. But, yeah, I mean, you could never cut out Kodo. By the way, I will say that I I booked the exact same for all of Moxley's wins. Or all of Moxley's tournament, by the way. <laughs> I really had him go 5-0 and then go 0-4. I, the the Shingo-Goto match, uh, to me, it was a great tonal shift. Kind of throughout where Shingo was 
Hawks running with pumping bombers throughout, but then Goto would just, you know, hey, I'm going to hit you with a front GTR here. You know, or hey, I'm just going to, you know, kick out of, you know, nine pumping bombers in a row uh, where they just beat the living hell out of each other. And, um, you know, Shingo, like I said, you know, just getting those wins, but Goto putting on good good matches there. And that was one thing they did really well with Shingo and Osprey is I'm glad they couldn't beat guys with their finishers, so they had to do it multiple times because they did a good job to differentiate between a junior and a heavyweight. And I thought that that, it worked. Like, I didn't think it was one of those, God, they keep kicking out of their finishers. It it gave me the, okay, good. You know, they shouldn't be able to finish somebody first shot with their move that they do against lighter, you know, smaller men. So, and it, and it worked, too, because then it, gave, it showed them the resiliency that they had. And then when they finally did get to hit him again, they got victory. Right? <laughs> it, was, it was great looking. Um, was was Goto uh, the, uh, the uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi of 2019? Granted, he didn't win it. Kind of that old, the, the veteran, you know, just kind of making a splash and, you know, kind of had, you know, just, you know, reaching for it, but he just couldn't grab it at the right time. Look, to be fair, Goto, I give Goto a 3.64, and that's with me giving him two four-and-three-quarter matches with Shingo and Ishii, meaning if he didn't have those matches, he probably had the worst tournament of everybody. Especially that Taichi match. <laughs> I mean, so because I went four-and-three-quarters against Shingo. Um, I went four against Moxley. I went three-and-a-quarter with Cobb. I went four and three quarters with Ishii, but then you get to the beginning of it. I got a two with Yano. I got a two and a half with Taichi. I got a four with Naito. That was a pretty good match. I went three and a half with Juice. I went four with Jay White. So, like, he had some stinkers kind of in the middle with the two and a two and a half back to back. And that was when you went, God, I, I, I'm done with Goto. I remember you yeah. said, like, this guy is just. He's done. He's done. And said, yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. Um, <laughs> and then started winning. This is going to be surprising. Um, I have two four-and-a-halves with this guy. We're staying in the same block. He had a four-and-a-half to me with Ishii and, uh, what do you know, a four-and-a-half for me with, uh, with Shingo. But the ring isn't going to say what I want to talk about this guy later after we're done going through this. But, but Jay White finished with a 3.7 match rating for me. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Jay White kind of a little bit after we run through this because I want to, I, I feel like he, not looking at match rating-wise, he was a standout style MVP, and he really, he really showed once again why people that don't think he's good maybe should go watch something else. Because Listen to the booze this man gets from the audience. People don't get heat anymore. He gets heat. People don't understand. Like people, people are like, oh, it's so boring. All he does is cheat. Oh, I don't want to watch him because he's always witty. He's always cheating. Oh, he's being a heel. What? Who says that? Okay, so you, you're mad that you finally are watching a guy that you're truly wanting to lose and you're mad that he's winning? Isn't that what we grew up with? Isn't that the point of a heel? Like, he's the epitome of what we've all asked for for years. Like, people that don't get Jay White are idiots. Like, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to... Sorry, know, that, 
the guys who say that probably think Baron Corbin is a good heel. Sorry, C.J. White. C.J. White is the equivalent to Baron Corbin. Oh. She's, she's she's just mimicking me, so that's why I'm picking on her. But, like, like seriously, it's just, when are people going to get their heads out of their ass and realize that he's one of the best wrestlers going, and he is the heel that we've all wished we've had for the last five years? And it's not like, it's because of Gato's in his corner. It's because he uses the barricade and the apron as weapons in each and every match where it's a part of his repertoire, which I think makes him even more heelish. He, here's something, here's a perfect way I'll say this, and, and I'll see if you agree with me. He does the same thing Randy Orton does, but when Randy Orton does it, everybody, like including us, just cringe at how bad it is. Whereas with him, it's like that son of a bitch did it. He will calm a match down and take the crowd out of a match. Randy Orton does it by laying on people with headlocks and it just gets boring. Jimmy White will literally, when your guy is getting his momentum, will just fall over and laugh and play dead. And it's just, it's aggravating. Yeah. But he kills the momentum of the match, just like Randy Orton does. But he does it in a good, constructive way where now he's pissing you off instead of boring you. (laughs) He gets back up and he just falls back over, but then he starts laughing at you. And then it just makes the guy more Like, he's brilliant. He's so good. Could could one of the aspects of why it's so night and day with those two wrestlers is because of their their contracts? Because Orton's like, hey, I'm getting my $8 a year. Where Jay White's like, no, I'm go- I'm working into getting hopefully a big time yen incentive contract. I think a lot of it too is just the work rate. I mean, Orton's been doing it for so long; he didn't have anything to prove to anyone anymore. I mean, to be fair, and if I'm working in that company, that cozy paycheck that he gets, shit. If, if all they ask from me is to sit there, talk on a mic, and lay on somebody with a headlock, I do it too. Like, the guy went on vacation before a big four, you know, main event, you know, with SummerSlam against Kofi. I mean, unless they were told, like, hey, we're going to do a count out to eventually get to Hell in a Cell. Fine, whatever. But, like, you think a wrestler's like, hey, maybe give me a vacation at this time, and I want to build this program up because we got something here. Yeah, and he posts pictures on Instagram where he's covering up his wife's boobs. Like, oh, I wonder what I should be doing right now. And he's grabbing, he's grabbing her, her junk. You know, it's like he doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, but you take those photos when you and your missus go on vacation. <laughs> I mean, Are I you get... saying that he's taking yours? <laughs> I mean, look, we don't need to get one of the, the Cook family secrets here. You know, we can keep those a little tranquilo under the under the radar. Where I'm going is this dude doesn't care. I mean, he just does what he wants. He's the dude who's got so much clout. He walks in a half hour late, slides in his time card, and then walks into his office, closes the door, and puts his feet up and puts a hat over his face, and he goes to sleep. But no one says, we're doing it. Oh, you know? But, you know, I mean, we we're kind of talking about it now, so we don't have to do it after. But it's just, it's just, like, what are, what are people just going to realize that Jay White is. Exactly. What Who are these missing. people that don't get him already? Like, oh, like you said, just stop watching. Yeah, just, just look through look through Twitter timeline with New Japan hashtags. Like, there's so many people that are like, "Screw you, Gato." 
I can't believe you didn't have Naito win. Or, oh, of course you had to have your guy Jay White win. That's why you're in his corner. Wow, why justice for oh. Naito? It's, it's like justice for Naito. It's professional wrestling, people. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Like, I'm sure that I'm sure, I'm sure Cena walks in the back, sees what his uh, what his souvenir uh, compensation check is for all his merch, yeah. and what's about to say? Takes for the match, and he walks around and collects his money. You know, I was like, like Naito's pulling an Orton, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And, and I'll tell you what, I love I love Tetsuya Naito, but for all the people who who shit on Randy Orton. Tetsuya Naito's work ethic sometimes ain't, ain't much different. Sorry, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's plenty of times when Tetsuya Naito is one of the laziest dudes out there. Yeah. When, when I'm calling his sequences, you know that's a bad sign. <laughs> Alex is like, oh my beer, I'm calling this one on the fly, baby. Let's go. Oh, Gloria. Like, come on. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is. But, um, Moving along here to the A block, uh, 3.81 is my number 14 rated guy, Uh, so really high work. He had a a four-and-a-half star match with Kazuchika Okada, night one, which was his peak night, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Whoa. One of the top four matches of the tournament, though, that I'm hoping you gave a 4.75 because it definitely damned deserved it, if not a 4.99, Will Ospreay and Hiroshi Tanahashi. My God, was that just a quote-unquote dream match, but just how Tanahashi was beating the hell out of uh, Ospreay's leg, his knee, getting him, you know, into the cloverleaf and, and what have you, but just doing that damn homage to Zach, uh, Zach Sabre Jr.'s genie uh, head bridge pin uh, submission onto Osprey was just freaking phenomenal. But to me, that was a match where I honestly wasn't going to watch that versus I'm like, I know it's probably going to happen. But as I put, wow, what a bleeping match. The rub from Tana here was great. Injury to Osprey was legit. Looked good. Good way to show pride was on the line for both men to, into this match. And of course, love the respect Osprey showed Tanahashi after that match. But that hoof kick to the hidden blade to the stormbreaker to Tanahashi was like he was ushering in the new era of New Japan. Yeah, this and this one too surprised me a little bit because I I had Osprey beating Tanahashi. But I had him beating him because I thought he was going to play spoiler. I didn't think Tanahashi was going to be eliminated by, like, night, night 15 or night 13 or whatever. Like, I didn't think that was going to happen. Damn you, uh, play getting that backslide pin. <laughs> and for the backslide, I laughed. I didn't even, I didn't even like, cringe in anger. Like, damn it, they had him lose the hey, ball. It worked. I just laughed. I was like, I saw him hook Tana's arms. I was like, yeah. I, I kudos. That was a that was a it was an interesting win. It was it was it was a hysterical after moment for me because I'm like no way get out of here go home go home get in your trunk. And that's kind of why I I said I think it works having Tanahashi rumored to face Liger at Wrestle Kingdom. 
because I think this is kind of there. I think he's kind of getting ushered down the card because he's just, you know, it's it's nothing bad on him. But you know, how how long till he's Eugene Agata and Satoshi Kojima just doing the the prelim six mans because he's just, you know, he's had a hell of a run. But you know, that's just how New Japan does it. You get ushered down and. Everybody knows it. Nobody criticizes uh, him and Okada. They're the team. I mean, essentially, until my dad is a heel wrestler, four comes out. I think that's when you bring the horse out the pasture. But uh, Tanahashi has. I mean, he won the damn thing a year ago. For God's sake, he's still putting in great matches. I mean, he's he's that marquee guy. He's the Lesnar that's there all the time and takes breaks. For a couple of months, whether it's be an injury, filming a movie, a shampoo commercial, what have you, cutting his hair, um, you know, it it is what it is. But he's that attraction. He's the guy that's going to bring it. And him and Osprey was just a special, special match. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things too where I, I guess I don't mean like anytime soon, but I think it's telling that he didn't play a part in the final night of the G1 for once. And I think that's where I just kind of okay. Maybe they're realizing it's time to start cycling. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen right away, but, you know, last year. my predictions were set up with Tanahashi. Um, you know, if he beats Osprey, he wins the tournament type thing. And Osprey played spoilers how I thought it was going to go. So, but, I mean, kudos to him. He still had a really good tournament. Yeah, Osprey, Tanahashi, third quarter. That was really good. I'm glad Osprey got a clean victory, too. Yeah. Um, Does Tanahashi uh, look at Liger at the dome and say, "Sorry, I love you," and then hits a high fly flow? <laughs> if he does, I'm walking up the ramp and going back uh, to my hotel room. I'll be crying as it is as he's going five by flow, going, "No, no, you're done." What if that's how you see Liger? Is somehow you don't make the match like you're, you're violently ill from the from the travel, and you don't make the match, but you end up at Ribera Steakhouse afterwards, and then Liger just sits right next to you, order orders a drink, and you guys just talk for the rest of the night. You know what happened is he'll walk in with his mask off, and I won't recognize him, and he'll leave. And so like that was crazy. Liger was sitting on his mask, and he'll have been sitting next to you the whole time. <laughs> Me and, me and Evil are doing shots in the, in, in the, uh... Yeah. Do I still have that? Hold on. If I still have that, that, that was the most perfect cue. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Everything is evil. Um, number 13. This is another crazy thought, just because of um, seeing a, uh, a 3.83 match rating. Wow. Not... Really? Yeah. So now I had a 13. Um, good tournament. Just had, he had a, you know, the one. <laughs> good tournament. Good tournament. I mean, he just beats the Rainmaker. I didn't think it was anything too crazy. He didn't follow with a half on. Um, Again, Fale with the roll-up victory. 
Bushi, I did go four and a half. That was really good. Sonata Evo went three and three quarters. Um, Sonata Osprey went four and a quarter. And obviously, I mean, you remember how much I loved Saber and Sonata from that first Yeah, night. that was amazing. That was four and a half, right? Four and three quarters? Three quarter, yeah. But he had a great tournament. 3.83 is nothing to be pissed about. It's just, once again, you know, 3.83 gets you 13th for me. There's 12 guys that have better than that. Yeah, but you know, Hot wins, though. He has big marquee wins in the scheme of things, Ryan. What does this mean for Sonata? Same thing with Evil. The last night of the A block, they lose to the big men. And you, get, like, uh, you get Okada and Sonata now, at probably King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, but Sonata's not going to win. There's no chance. He already got his W. Because you know what's going to happen? Sonata and Evil are going to be wrestled Cruz and Destiny at the Dome for the tag titles again. Oh, God. What's going to happen? So, you know what I want to see happen? Since they both lost to the bigs, I want to see Evil and Sonata take on Lance Archer and Bad Luck Bale. Yes, I know it's an interfection team. But, hey, for shits and giggles, why the hell not? They pinned them in the damn G1 climax that ended after them uh, having respectable tournaments. Should they be EBB instead of EBD then? Everybody backslides? <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, oh, Kenta. Uh, number 12. Uh, it's uh, this is all kind of tied together. Um, I had three people tied for 10th, so I get you 10, 11, and 12. But I guess I'll read them via who I, I gave them the highest star to. So, number 12, uh, 3.86. He had a 4.5 against Tomohiro Ishii. I had Juice Robinson. Um, also had a 3.86. But he did have a 4 and 3 quarters with Kenta, so I'll put him at 11 was evil. And then tied for that. 3.86, he had that five-star banger with Will Ospreay, Lance Archer. So I kind of love those three guys together via ties, or via an overall average. Um, so many revelations in this tournament, but let's be real. The real standout has got to be the return of one Lance Archer. The moveset, yeah. the theme music, the angry, you know, everybody, you know, has got to die like type of gimmick. And then the claw, you know, just to to pin, you know, pin his opponents as he did to Evil Knights Night Seventeen there. Uh, but Archer, man, I mean, the guy. I hope he gets every booking and gets the maximum per diem uh, for everything that he takes outside of Japan. And I hope New Japan does something with him because this guy's doing flips off the apron, not just flips. But like random 360 moonsaults, you got nothing yeah. here. Two imagine that one time. Like that was dope. He's just, oh okay, he's just doing moonsaults off the apron. No big deal. <laughs> like he, he's he's tight. Um, <laughs> you know, it was give the man your money. That guy's just he, everybody's a cop. You could tell how hard he was working too. Like he went in there and was and like 
<laughs> you know, let's just hope whoever he's working has got his working boots on because he's he ain't gonna change what he's doing. <laughs> got that wrist control, homie. Oh man, and he involves himself too, and I, I think that's part of it too. Is he's changed the way he's wrestled. Like he's he keeps getting like last year the big thing was the submission movie kept trying to put over that that Cobra Clutch. Yep. You know, and it, so he's had different. Different ways. The the year before that was the big setup to Okada Omega that everyone was just waiting to build up. So everybody was just hoping that God Okada wouldn't lose the and and that Kenny wouldn't lose, so they could get to this thing. So I mean, you know, they built it well with everything. And then I think 2014 was when he won it when he finally beat Tanahashi. Um, so it's it's just so then then we had desperation Okada who knew he had to win because he had to get back to the dome to get back on top. So it just mm-hmm. he tells a different story and he's just so God he's so good. He's I'm, I'm telling you that when it's all said and done, he's going to be the guy that you could argue is the greatest wrestler who's ever been. He's just tremendous, just tremendous. fantastic points. Yeah, I mean he's the rainmaker for a reason. Um. Next one, um, I had a, a tie again. Um, both guys had a 4.75 out of 5, so I kind of had it even here. Um, wait, wait. At a three. Yep. wait, that's their overall match rating is a 4.75? No, no, that was their best oh, match was rating. Like, whoa, that's a giant jump. <laughs> their overall rating was a 3.97, so okay. just under four stars. Um, but uh, Kenta and Tetsuya Naito. Respectable. Both have them tied for eight. Um, Naito's best match I had was against uh, Shingo Takagi, and I had Kenta's best match against Evil. I thought Kenta and nice. Evil was tremendous. That was the match when when Kenta seemed like he was comfortable being pissed off, angry asshole Grandpa Kenta. You know he's giving the he's giving in the crowd and he's doing the the evil taunt pose and the crowd's booing him and he's laughing at people. He's he's putting his finger to his earlobe like. I, are you booing me? I can't hear you. You're not loud enough. And, <laughs> and like, yep, here he is. And I think that was a match when we were talking about night four or six or whatever it was. I was like, dude, he's, I feel like he's back now. Yes, and yes, I remember that. Joe, Joe Lanza on uh, the Voice of Wrestling flagship show, he said something. And this is a guy who, who I think he could argue, or he's argued that he thinks Kent is his favorite wrestler of all time. Like, he, he thought in the you know, in the 2000s, he was the, the best wrestler of the decade, things like that. And I, I agree with a lot of it, you know, because, I, you know, as, as you know, I've been a Noah, I was a Noah head back in the day. And, you know, he, he said to all people that are criticizing Kenta, which uh, grabbed my ear because I was that guy going, God, he's just not there anymore. You know, you have to realize that this isn't Kenta anymore. And that all the people who are seeing him really for the first time, not in WWE, are, and, and are going, wow, I don't know why you don't like or what you don't like about it. He's been fantastic. And that's kind of the conversation we had where, you know, you're like, wow, man, I'm so glad I finally got to see this guy do what he does so well, where I was bitter about it. You have to just look at the picture, and, and this is what Kenta is now. So instead of living yeah. in the past and being upset about it, just look for the fact that we're happy that we get a guy who's working his ass off to and, and it just this is just what he is now, and we just have to you know just 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 accept it and enjoy it that we have it back. 
I thought about that. I said that's that's uh, you know I'm, I'm probably butchering part of the quote on it, but you know and just paraphrasing paraphrasing it. But he's right. I need to just realize that Kent is never going to be the like I want. I want you so bad to see the Destiny O Five match against uh, Heel Master Yoshinobu Kanemaru at the Dome uh, for the Junior Title. He's never going to be that Kenta again. But if this is the Kenta I get now. I'm just glad that he's not in WWE anymore wasting away. And at least I can see him in his amazing charisma that they didn't realize that they had and were not able to use. Because, you know, what he did in the finals with Shibata, this was like Hogan-level heel turn for me. Like, this was incredible. And, and this, this whole, I mean, we're kind of talking about it as a whole anyway at this point, but... No! Is this the greatest turn, like you said, Hogan-esque, just for the New Japan crowd? Take a beloved wrestler like Shibata. When he sat on his chest and did the, the cross-leg pose, I, oh man, I, I couldn't believe it. And the were, you angry like, or were you about to cry? What I loved it. I loved it. I thought, well, they, they, they officially added another match for, the, for Wrestle Kingdom, which apparently oh. it was a one-off. He's not cleared to wrestle. It was just He's not going to take any crazy bumps this way. He got and that heat. Yeah, it was just the Kendall stick shots, and it was the sleeper. And, you know, he did get to throw his drop kick and stuff, but he's not cleared at least yet. Maybe they clear him. Maybe. Who knows? And, and that bums me out more than anything. But the fact that they didn't tell people apparently about this either. Like, I don't know who knew about it. I, I mean, when we kind of powwowed, out, I said maybe just the guys in the angle in that ring knew about it. But yeah. Adding Kenta to the biggest heel in wrestling, Jay White, you now could argue the two biggest asshole heels are together. They officially, you 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 gotta admit that they've reestablished Bullet Club as a big thing now. I think. Oh God, just imagine that team in the uh, in the World Tag League. Why not? Why not throw those guys? You have them and God just running running the gauntlet. Let's go. That's a, a crazy ass team. You got what? What would you call them? The the kick runners? Like I I don't know, but just something. Go! Oh my god, that's gonna be a good, good, good squad when they when they team up there. What's also cool, like you said, Shibata. You know, of course, getting into the ring. Uh, you know, take, getting some action in there. We also forgot to mention Edge, who had to retire, I believe, what back in 2011, 2012. After uh, successfully re- retaining the title against Alberto Del Rio back at WrestleMania 26, um, and Edge spearing to many surprises, uh, people including myself, Elias there. Uh, so it was kind of cool to kind of see, you know, two wrestlers who you know we we see every now and then, you know, the, who you know wrestling fans thoroughly enjoy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and and to see them kind of get back to you know, even if it's one off, uh, just doing what they love. And you you heard of my instant reaction to the Shibata Kenta double cross as we talked for for about an hour that day. And you were like, "Did you get there yet? Did you get there yet?" I'm like, "What?" I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, like <laughs> this is happening. Shabbat's hit white. You know, he took his shirt off. I'm like, "That guy's ripped!" And then he's just like, "Boom!" Just gets beat down. And then yeah, right when he sits on his, chest, I was like, "Oh my oh, god, yeah. we are going to Japan." 
And that crowd was pissed. I mean, if you remember last year at the final, Shibata came back and said, I'm still alive, that is all. And and he took the bump. And when he took that bump, I think I did cry a little bit. I was like, oh, my God. He, I, just, I can't believe that Shibata. And, you know, and he, and he left. And everyone went, oh, my God. I can't believe he just did that. And then a year later, this happens. And it just... It was remarkable, and, and I think it's I think it's awesome that they 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 allowed them to do this angle. It's got to be great for Kenta and and Shibata, you know, childhood friends. And it was a great angle, mm-hmm. and I think I think it's great for Kenta because if I'm Kenta now, I got to be going, holy crap, man! This company really does believe in me that they let me do this angle, like. I have I have the backing of people who want me to be on their shows and be around, and I just think it's more motivation for Kent to get better, you know, and get back to you know even the smaller resemblance of what he was because you know you could see him throughout the tournament. It looked like he was getting in better shape as the tournament went on. Agreed. I I I was about to ask because you know. In the beginning of the tournament, when Kenta went on that, you know, what four match streak before he met Ogata, you know, and then he ends the tournament, I think, on a four, you know, four match losing streak. There, it just seemed like he just it clicked, you know, even in loss, you know, him and Zack Saber Jr. I thought was a a uh, a great match, you know, just due to the fact that even in loss, it was just like it was believable. You know, because Zack Sabre Jr. could not handle the kicks. He could not, or sorry, the strikes. You know, the the kicks, obviously, you know, that that Kenta would deliver. But the submissions, you know, and just kind of going after that injured arm Kenta had, you know, as the tournament progressed was just awesome. Um, You know, and then where he just hits that arm bar stretch and then Kenta's like, I got to tap. You know, again, he was just making, you know, all around the himself and I'd say you know he, he was getting in shape ring shape um you know kind of as the tournament progressed you know where it was a turning point with the Okada match I I thought but I loved and, his tournament from night one all the way to night 17 so and, and that's why I want to go back and watch some of these early matches when I was criticizing him because and you're like I don't know how you didn't like him in a bullshit like it's not that I didn't like it but I need to go back and, and with that mindset of you know this is what we have now. Let's enjoy it. Let's not nitpick it like like Kenta fans are going to do. And I love the fact that Will Osprey knows one style. And you know, to, to each, you know, to his his credit, it's made him one of the greatest wrestlers of the year, if not number one. So he has nothing to change. I would never stop if I'm Osprey with the year I'm having. Kenta went up to up to bat and kept up with him. And, and I, I, I went forward a quarter on that. That was the best hitting blade of the tournament. When he murdered Kenta with that thing. Um, and Kenta just kept going. And he kept going with Osprey. And I loved it. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where right around that, I think it was before that match, um, the one against Fale, which, you know, it just kind of was what it was. And I and I, I watched the Fale match going, man, Kenta worked his ass off. Fale just stood there like a piece of shit. And I was so mad. <laughs> and that's when I heard, the, heard the, the, the Kenta quote, like, you know, for all the people that, like me, who've been a Kenta guy for 15 years here, 
just think of it this way. And I'm like, okay, you know, so he, he tried to do what he could do with Fale. Let's see what happens with Osprey. And I'm watching Osprey going, oh, man, yep, this is, this is the same feeling I had against Evil. This is the same one I had against Okada. And I'm realizing that this is, this is still the guy. We just kind of look at him a little tone, it turns out a little more, which is fine. And I accepted it, and I'm, I'm with it now. I can't wait at Royal Quest for Kenta and Ishii. Oh, my God, that's going to rule. Oh, my God, indeed. That's a, I would say, a dream match because I don't know, whoever dies and comes back to life, but then, you know, gets killed maybe for the seventh time and just is like, I'm, I, help me, brother. Like, I can't get up. Like, I don't know who's going to win this, but, oh, my God, it's going to be nuts. Yeah, so Royal Quest is, is the Royal Quest, the UK UK takeover and all out are the week after Dragon Gate and oh, uh, NXT UK their takeover. Yeah, UK takeover, yep. Yeah. Um, so like, dude, there's a bunch of good stuff those weekends coming up, man. I can't. Wow. Time to my main- Oh, I just look it up, and all of their stuff is sold out except for the upper bowls for Royal Quest. I look at the I mean, that card they give it is fantastic. And then the Stardom, um, the Stardom Five Star Quest, I think, starts on the 17th. Lousy Hikaleo. Um, I'm, I'm just pulling that up just to be safe here. Because um, I, I am going to get a Stardom for that, uh, for that tournament just to check it out. Um, early prediction... Uh, I don't know why it doesn't have a date on there. Um, we try a PW Torches list on it. Um, maybe I just suck at Googling. Uh, it starts August 17th. Okay, so I was right. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that up. We can check it out and see how we like that. You know, give us some more content um, to add more. Wow, so that day really has three freaking events on the 31st. Yeah, because Royal Quest was already booked. All Out was kind of a foregone conclusion because of the year before. So then WWE, just, just like they did with, uh, you know, the the last show, they just decided to run one the same day, you know, because they're jerks. They I mean, to... this card is pretty damn awesome. You get Eagles and Osprey taking on Phantasmo and Bone Soldier, not the OG one, but Taji Ishimori. You got Sonata <laughs> and Naito taking on Owen J.Y. Tonga, uh, Loa, and Tamatanga going against the winner of RPW's Road to Royal Quest Tournament. Then you got Tomohiro Ishii uh, taking on Kenta with his first defense for the no- Never Openweight Championship. Uh, for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship, Zack Sabre Jr. against the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Woo! And one of the best finishes in a tag match where uh, we saw the final night of the G1 Climax my God, Daddy himself, Minoru Suzuki, after gotch <laughs> file driving Okada for the win, uh, who said, "Hey, I just pinned you. Hand over your championship. You might as well just hand over your championship to me now." Uh, taking on the Raiden Maker, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, that stretch honestly is, seems a little bit more favorable than what's happening in Chicago. Yeah, it's, dude, that card is going to be really good, man. <laughs> that card is gonna be real. And oh yeah, Juice Robinson's teaming up with Bushi for probably the most important team in history. <laughs> Sorry, Chuck and Billy, but they win. 
Um, and then obviously, you know, Tetsuya Naito finished with Kenta there. We already talked about Naito, so I think we can move on from that. Unless um, you have anything else to add on Naito, but um, number seven, first guy to finish with a four star average, the Ooh. Death Rider himself, John Moxley. Great tournament. I, I, you know, I said there's certain guys that I think he's going to have just absolute bangers with, and then there's a couple that maybe it just kind of might be a little eh because of just his style. Um, but for the most part, man, I mean, I give him and Yano even three and a half. <laughs> like, Rigo I like, the Rigo yeah, Lee is such an awesome setup for the Death Rider there. I mean, he could have easily won a matches with that Regal knee. But just that brawling style, that hardcore style, um, mixed in with some wrestling. I mean, he, he always went for a body part in each of these matches, whatever opponent was hurting in there. He just attacked it. A great rebirth. Hopefully this is, you know, the sort of moxley we get every Wednesday coming uh, here in October. He, uh, I had his match of the tournament, four and three quarters against Tomohiro Ishii. Um, minus the oh, Jeff yeah. Cobb. If you look at this list, every single person in my B block, their best match was either against uh, Shingo or Ishii. <laughs> Literally, like that, it just blew my mind how good they were. Um, number six, our tournament winner himself, Kota Ibushi, with a four point oh three. <laughs> oh man, uh, four and three quarters against Kazuchika Okada, the final. Love that uh, Kota Ibushi, tremendous tournament. Um, little scary that he was going to be hurt, but glad he didn't. Um, made sense he won after dropping that IC title at Dominion. Uh, but he had a really good tournament. He had a really good tournament. Which leaves us with our top five. Um, if you if you have to take a stab at Do this, you think the I, ankle played a role into him not having a more bigger tournament, if you will? With the, with that injury, do you think that hindered his performances in any match? Which, of course, besides his opponents going after his weak spot there. You know, I mean, he hurt his ankle against Evil, but then yep. the next match he had was against Osprey, which I went four and a half on. So, like, I don't think it did anything to him. I know well, it happened the first night against uh, Kenta. Oh yeah, which makes sense why I went three and a half against Evil. So, no, I, I don't think it did. I think, it, if anything, it was a perfect spot with him working evil where he could just take – he got to – I mean, he didn't have to do anything crazy until the Osprey match then, which was 12 days later. So, I, it had, I don't yeah, think there was sure. a problem. Three ankles probably good. And then it helped once again that he had eight days um, until the evil match also. So, you know, it's a perfect time to do it. <laughs> you know? worked me with that injury. Jeez, way to go. Oda. He's a regular Tanahashi, just like his hero there. No, him and Okada, um, I mean, with that match with with Ibushi picking up that win there, does that do anything uh, for the momentum heading into their clash at the Dome? We've seen it. We've seen Okada get the wins. We've seen Ibushi get the win. I mean, where does that leave us here with the Dome? What else can they do without the Kamagoi uh, you know, kind of hitting uh, Okada there a couple of times there. Well, if if history repeats itself, um, I will never go, what else can Okada do to have a better match than last time? 
uh, as he's every time he had a, a Wrestle Kingdom match, three out of four straight years with Tanahashi, and every time you're like, yep, that was five. Yep, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, and then you get Kota Bushes. This match has, I mean, this has potential to 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 try to be on that level that he had with Omega. I really believe it. I don't know if I don't think I'll ever see a match as good as Okada Omega was from Wrestle Kingdom, but I can guarantee this is going to be something special. And you know, <laughs> until it happens, I've learned. That Kazuchika Okada is just like the New England Patriots. You can't bet against him until he's done. Because yeah. it doesn't matter what happens, because he will always win. And it, it just, it's one of those things, once again, where I'm happy it happens, because Gato will stick by his guy, and he books him to look dominant and important and strong, and there's none of this 50-50 crap, and it's why he's the, you know, he's the greatest wrestler alive. That's why he's the epitome of what a champion should be. Because he goes through I, everybody. Yeah. I I really did enjoy, I know you mentioned Abushi Okada. I thought the actual finals with him and Jay White was a damn yes. good match. Again, the psychology with White. Well, hell, first off, Bullet Club being told to get the F out, um, you know, <laughs> by, by the ref there, including Gato. Uh, but, of course, we would see him later on there. But White just pummeling the ankle, getting superplexes. You know, it was just a nice back and forth, even though White would, you know, hit the TTO, um, you know, which is just a reverse figure forward there. Um, but he's screaming in pain. It's so freaking believable there. And then, you know, where they just start decimating his ankle with the with the chair when Gato comes back down there. Um, I, I thought this was a great back and forth, a fantastic finishing sequence. Kamagoya to two jumping knees to another Kamagoya where what Jay White kicks out, you're just like, what? And he's just loopy as hell, gets one arm up, and then boom, the scream, Kamagoy, Abushi with the win there. I thought this was great drama. This was something where, again, I don't remember seeing Abushi and Jay White in a singles. Um, I'm sure it happened. But again, it just planted for something where, hey, this is a nice rivalry to see you know, a couple years down the line, you know, where, where it could be something special. I think the last, I think the only time they ever touched was a random like G1 like night four tag match when, um, when he still had his mohawk and was a young lion. To be honest, I think that was the only time they've ever touched. Um, the final, yeah, I thought the final was great. Jay White is just good such a slime ball, man. The and how how douchey and perfect was Kenta when he came out in the Bullet Club shirt? Yeah, <laughs> he, oh man, I was. I was just like, give me more of this. Especially when they all stop and they're like, wait, we got one more. And he just peeks out and he does that. Well, he just kind of points at his earlobe and he's like, oh, you mad? Oh, you mad? Oh, oh, me and Jimmy White are going to do the, the little uh, too sweet. Oh, are you even more mad now? I was like, oh, this is so good. Yes. What? They're heels, damn it. They're heels. What's um, going to be his gimmick? For his Bullet Club shirt, since everyone has their own, what's Kent gonna be? Mm. Like someone with like a sleeping cap on? Is the skull gonna have a sleeping cap? I don't know. They, I mean, like, I mean, is it like a GTS club? Do they do? Do they do take, yeah. the Takeover Club? I mean, the Takeover Club. There's a few things you could do. I mean, I will say this too, and this is this is a little nitpicky, but 
the only thing that really disappointed me about the final was they they tell this fantastic story, and then Daniel comes back and they just start annihilating him with the chair, and and it truly made me go, oh my god, they're gonna do Jay White and Okada again at the dome, like holy crap! If they, they, I mean, they're gonna make this guy the biggest heel in wrestling even more because he, everyone's gonna be pissed. And then and Abushi got spoiling it for me because I know you did see it before. And what did I say? I was like, are they leading this to be the rivalry of Japan of 2019? You know, where they fought at the Dome, they fought at Madison Square Garden. I was like, are they going to do Jay White Okada again at the Dome? But like you said, Gato does it the best. Oh, man. And, and like you said, the finishing stretch was incredibly perfect. It was so good. I just, I, I got a little taken out of it when Abushi for like the last five, six minutes, didn't even sell the leg. And he's still, all of his finishes are with the same leg that he got worked over on for the whole match. And I was like, damn it, he's not. And, but, but I also, you know what, I'll, I'll give the adrenaline credit. And it's the simple fact you want him to close out, and you got to close out this big match. So it, it's not going to kill the match for me. But I was like, man, you're really just letting him go and saying, screw the selling, just, just finish him. So I, I was a little bummed about that, but. Look, in a situation like that, and with the story they told, it didn't hurt it too bad for me, because um, I was very happy. And I, like I said, you know, big pictures, holy crap, that was a great finish, like you said, with the knees and the the, the multiple kamigoyes, and just the whole sequence was strange. The color of the Blade Runners were great. Oh, um, God, yeah. I was just more like, damn, I, I wish he would have just kept selling, but I understand you're finally giving him the G1 victory. You gotta nail this sequence. Don't don't overdo it trying to sell while doing it, and then something randomly botches and you screw it up. And just do what you're doing. So just a little criticism, but nothing to hurt the match really too much for me. Um, top four or top five? Uh, number five at a four point zero eight. His favorite match of mine was against Sonata Night One. Zack Saber Jr. at five. You uh, is that, is that a good spot for him? Do I have him too high? What do you think here? No, I think that that's perfect. I mean, he's just such – he's just the guy. Like, I don't know if in the States he would be seen as that, but if this guy wrestled in, in the 90s, like, you know, Attitude Era-esque, or was in the vein of, you know, the Benoit, the Angles, the Jerichos, um, the Guerreros, you know, that class of wrestlers – that guy would have been a huge star. That guy would have been just the money. I mean, he's just such from a different era, but he's bringing that style to the current, you know, uh, wrestling, you know, uh, fan here. So I, I, I'm not against it at all. I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. I play a massive, massive fan of, um, and and he proved it within this tournament with a block that he deserved to be in that superstar block, um, even in losses. You know, throwing those tantrums and everything. You know, yeah, it was a little uh, corny at first, but no, but then you're like, no, I get it because he's a perfectionist. Maybe it's the veganism in him. You know, maybe he was just a little bit more hungry, but it just took him. You know, when he did get those wins, you're just like, yes, you're pulling for him because again, that style is so missed nowadays, and he just does it better than anybody working today. 
and I love it too because he's the heel who isn't intimidated and scared. He's, he just walks and they're like, no, screw you, bitch. I'm going to beat your ass. Like, yeah. he just doesn't care. I love it. Like, that's what I'm yelling at the about. fans to shut up. Like, it's yeah. perfect. <laughs> perfect. Um, so, if you're following along and you know where this is, what do you think? Who do you think, or how do you think my top four finished? Who do you think I had four? Who do you think I had three? Who had two? And who finished at one? Oh, and if man. you need the names, I can give them to you too. <laughs> so the four remaining, um, I'm not going to do it in order of your order, but I'm going to say the four remaining Will Ospreay, Kazuchika Okada, Shingo Takagi, and Tomohiro Ishii. Yep. Right. Yeah, yep. So you're right there. Yep. 100%. So I'm going to go number four uh, because you hate him. Um, I enjoy his work. Uh, but you you don't give him the respect, Ryan. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna say you're gonna give you're gonna put the Stone Pitbull number four. It's over here. We. Who's number three? Number three. I'm gonna say you're gonna put Shingo Takagi. Number two. Number two. Uh, God, Osprey had a hell of a first tournament. Um, I'm gonna say Osprey and then Okada at one, just because you're All such right. a mark. <laughs> uh, number four with an average match of 4.22. Um, he got my first uh, five star of the tournament, Will Ospreay, at number oh. four. Um, obviously, him and Archer I was my match of the year. I clambered over it. I loved it. It was incredible. Um, I mean, it's, it was what it was. He had a hell of a tournament. Um, it's crazy to think that that. This dude, you could argue, had like 23 straight matches that were all four higher stars. Yeah. And his streak is bookmarked by a two-and-a-half-star match and a two-star match with Bad Luck Folly, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the Takashi match, I mean, he decimates, the, uh, not Sonata, but Kenta. Um, you know, kind of the match before Tanahashi where, I mean... He just took him to school crazy enough. Um, he, again, working that injury angle. But uh, Osprey, you know, God, he's over like he, he's a part of a faction. I mean, he is the chaos. But it's just like that, that guy is, you know, since he made the decision to be full-time Japan, the crowd seems to you know, likened him even more. And, yeah, I mean, like you said, we both went wild for the match with Archer Dallas. Uh, and progressively, you know, it just got greater and greater. Him and Okada, fantastic. You know, kind of early on in the tournament there. Yeah. So, uh, I'm happy Ishii's uh, in your top three, at least. Um, so, I mean, running through the list here, Osprey Archer, I gave a five. Um, Osprey Sonata, I went four and a quarter. Osprey and Kota Ibushi, I went four and a half. Osprey and Kata, I went four and three quarters. Um, Osprey and Folly, two and a quarter. Um, Osprey and Zack Sabre, four and a quarter. Osprey Evil, four and a half. Osprey Kenta, four and a quarter. Osprey Tanahashi, four and a quarter. I mean, if Folly really screwed him out of out of rest of the tournament, you could almost say, <laughs> I'm sorry, but 
Just, just imagine if you took Fale out and Minoru Suzuki was in Fale. Oh my God. Minoru Suzuki against Will Ospreay? Do you, do you want me to wait that long? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh! Daddy would, would break his neck and I wouldn't care because it'd be so good. <laughs> Paul would come down to, to Ishii's music and. <laughs> um, hey Ryan. <laughs> At number three, I uh, had a four point three one match average, and it was part of my my match of the tournament. Uh, when he took Shingo Ishii, my number three is Shingo Takagi. Oh, four point three one. I'll run through these here for you. I'm starting with night two. Shingo Juice, I went four and a quarter. Shingo Yano, I went three. That was his following match. Um, Shingo and Taichi, I went three and three quarters. Shingo Moxie, I went four and a half. Shingo Jay White, I went four and a half. Shingo Kaba, I went four and a quarter. Uh, Shingo and Naito, I went four and three quarters. And Shingo and Ishii, I went the full five. And then Shingo and Goto, I went another four and three quarters. Like his last three matches were like three of the top five matches of the tournament. Like, I love God, them. They're so good. Is this the first year of a wrestler that you've seen in a long uh, time, or probably in New Japan? Like besides Hiromu Takahashi, like he runs through the Super Junior tournament, you know, until of course he loses the Osprey in the final. He has a respectable run in the B block here, which I'll ask you a question, you know, after you, you give your answer. But I mean, he's just dominant. He was undefeated for such a long time until Osprey, where you know, and then and now he declared he's heavy weights for life. Like, can this guy just, you know, he's gonna face Okada some sometime down the line, man? There's a reason why I've been I've been a mark for this guy for over ten years. I mean, there's a reason when one of my favorite ROH matches I ever saw live involves BJ freaking Whitmer, because Shingo brought BJ Whitmer to that level. Like this dude, I mean, you know, his stuff in Dragon Gate was perfect. It was incredible. The heat he would get in it. I mean, the way that when 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 a uh, Berserk, I, I think they were Berserk. They weren't Antias yet, but when Last year, the 2018 Dead or Alive show, before he left the company, when they beat the Jimmies, when uh, Susumu Yokosuka was the last guy to lose, and, like, the Jimmies had to disband. Um, I, I, that was, I think, one of the first Dragon Gate shows I tried, you know, when I tried to get us watching more, if I remember right. Um, it was it was Shingo and Ben K and Big R and Ata and all those dudes. And, like, the Jimmies are, like, crying while they're giving their farewell speech, and, like, the crowd is like crying. Like they're bawling that the Jimmies have to break up and Shingo's laughing at them. Like this guy is a big time deal. And when New Japan brought him in, I went, God, I hope they don't just do whatever with him. They gave him the run he deserved. And and it's it's no denying that they did it on like to me, they knew what they were getting with Shingo. They knew this was going to be a star. And they're, they're treating him as that. Because look at, look at the scalps that he's, he's got from this tournament. I mean, he beat Dodo, um, which, which is, you know, that's a, that's a big win when you look at G1 aspect because Dodo's oh, always yeah. a respect. He beat Tomo, or he beat uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, he beat Ishii. 
is, is this now, let me say this to you. Does this mean we get Shingo and Ishii at the Dome? Oh, yeah. I already, that's what I said earlier in the show, where I was just like, that's what I want to see at the Dome now, is this rematch. So, so if that's the case, you mean to tell me we're going to get Shingo, Ishii, Abushio, a street fight potentially between Juice and Moxley, and then potentially Naito, Jay White, and Liger, Tanahashi? Stop and don't forget Osprey, Hiromu. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> like is, is, this, is this real? <laughs> yeah. Like, so... Shingo and Naito, you know, again, uh, freaking matchup, you know, LIJ extraordinaires, but again, that that easily was a four and a half star match, you know, if not great. Like, it was. Recorders. I almost went the full five on it. Like, and and it's one of those things where, once again, it's just, that's the difference with with Naito and some of these other guys, I think, is just, you know, Naito and Goto got the four and three quarters out of him, but when he was in there with Ishii, you know, I went the full five. Oh, uh, for the live listeners, we're going to uh, actually be uh, setting off here in a second. If you're listening on the list on Facebook, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Russell Cat or sorry, forward slash Strong Style Media. Check out the archive uh, as well on all your podcast affiliates uh, starting tomorrow morning here, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, Spotify. My number two at a 4.36 rating. Oh, and, uh, the with him was uh, four and three quarters against Mr. C.S. Sonata himself, Kazuchika Okada. Sitting at the, sitting at the four and three, 4.36. Tremendous tournament. Um, just by the numbers here, let me pull this back up because I brought the wrong sheet out. Starting opening night, four and a half with Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went four with Sabre. Uh, I went three with Fale. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I went four to three quarters with Osprey. Uh, we threw uh, four and a quarter with Archer. Four, four and three quarters with Sonata. Four and a half with Evil. And then another four and three quarters with Kota Ibushi. I mean, what else is there to say? I praised Okada for 20 minutes tonight. Um, I mean, I and to think, I have to convince you that him and Tanahashi night one in Dallas was a extraordinary match. Oh, ooh, I was I was with you. Come on now, damn it. No, you're like, eh, I've seen better, and I was like, but it was for America. And you're like, eh. I think I turned you that night on radio, but you were still like, eh. no. this was the most perfect match that they could have done because they didn't need to go crazy. <laughs> they just needed to play the hits. That's all you needed to do. To get a, and by playing the hits, it gave you, it gave me a four and a half star match. Sign me up for playing the hits every day if that's the case. <laughs> and you're saying Tanahashi's done? Come on, Let's put down standards. Yeah, I mean, he, he's. I think if he starts wrestling in, in lesser main event type roles, this was the tournament where you could see it start. That's all I'm saying. If it happens, it happens. It was no before you. Before you get to the number one here, I wanted to pose that question to you really quick about Shingo, who is, by the way, your age, which that makes me extremely happy because <laughs> I thought he was a little older. Um, if Shingo was in the A block, do you think he could have gotten eight 
eight uh, eight points, four wins there within that block. What, what did he have? Eight points in the B block, if I remember right. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could have you could have you could have had him. I think he would have beat Ivor Sonata. He would have took one of the two. I think you could he could have took out Tanahashi, and it wouldn't have mattered. I think he could have gave him a win over Saber, and you could have him get his win. Fair enough. So yeah, I do. I do. Um, I mean, Mr. Logan did a four point three nine Alex match rating for an entire tournament. That's unheard of. Uh, I love it. Uh, Shingo, the man who I sent a t-shirt of, the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii. The question I posed, you know, other, you know, anyone else, if you agree or disagree, but in this decade, I mean, he's one of the best wrestlers there's, there has been in the last, this decade. I mean, it's, it's every year he goes into the G1 and you're like, well, we got nothing to worry about because Ishii's on that block. Like, oh, we're yeah. fine. Oh, Ishii Omega. Oh, Ishii Goto. Oh, Ishii Ibushi. And this is the same block? Like, well, we know who's the tournament MVP again. <laughs> it's just, it's, and here's the thing is, I hate that he never gets the like the crazy rub, but he's in such a good spot with what he's doing and the kind of matches that he gets to work with that title. I think, I think it's a perfect role for him. I would love more, but... It keeps him relevant with the perfect kind of opponents to continuously have matches like this, and that's what I love about it. I just, I, I'll, I'll give you the numbers here that you could sound off on. on what I'm assuming is your number one for the tournament in Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, um, I'm happy you I, finally agree with me on something. Ooh, you always think I hate Ishii because I gave him four and a quarter. Trash, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ishii Kaba with three and three quarters. Uh, Ishii J1 with four and a half. Uh, Ishii Moxley, I went four and three quarters. Ishii Naito with four and a half. Uh, Ishii Juice, four and a half. Ishii Gano, four and three quarters. Ishii Yano, four freaking stars for that match. Ishii Shingo, five stars. And uh, Ishii Tanichi, Three and three quarters, the only one I didn't hit four stars on. Just because it was the end of the tournament, I was fatigued as it was. And the match had real minimal, really nothing on the on the end because we knew he wasn't going to beat. Or I knew Taichi was going to win because they got to play in a seed for another challenger. And it was just, it was like, I just don't care that I know Taichi's winning. So that's like whatever, but I mean, the, the, I mean, this dude almost ran a four star tournament. And if I want to get nitpicky, I could probably find a way to make that four stars and not be, not think I'm just being, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, like I said, man, four point three nine. I think that's the highest average since Okada in like 2016 or 2017 when he had like three five star matches. I really do. I mean, it's, I mean, every minute you're like, oh, I can't wait. Like, and here's the thing that's crazy, too, is if you look in the, in the, in the top 20, I had one, two, three, I, I had four of the 20 um, in the top 10 of the, of the A block, or of the B block. Like, the, like the, the A block, number four, number five, number six, number eight, number two, number 10. And in the B block, I had three, eight, one, and seven, and everything else was 
I mean, you look at 19, 18, 17, 16, and 15. Five of the worst six all came out of the B block. Half of that block was the worst of the whole tournament. And then we got Shingo and, and ECE. Well, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for that one one bad match he had, I mean, it, I when I'm going through this, I was like, dude, I might have Shingo over Okada even. Like, I don't know how this is gonna turn out. It it's just it's God, man, I love it. it, it, it that's what made B block like. I, I was sitting through the stuff that I knew wasn't going to be that great because I knew I was going to get an ECE match later that night and I was going to get a single match. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> was your feast that you get to have, like, oh, your special occasion thing. Um, but then the B block, Shingo and Ishii, where you suffer through the, the boring crap at the beginning because you're going to get to that main entree that's going to be the greatest thing you've ate in all yes. day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's perfect. To the poop for this. Oh man! I mean, Ishii. I I've been. I'm. You know, 2016 when I started watching New Japan with you, uh, I was just like, oh, who's this Ishii guy and Goto? They just headbutt and clothesline each other. That's all they do: headbutt and clothesline. Where now I'm like, how many headbutts until he gets up again and then just will lariat the crap out of them and sweat will just explode from both of their bodies. It's something I appreciate. It's the strong style. I get it now. But Ishii is just such an amazing warrior. That he's like a samurai. He's like your your number two. He's your bodyguard. He's you know the guy that you send in to take care of business. He's you know your your John Wick, if you will, of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you know it just it pains me that he's never going to win the heavyweight championship. I don't know how much longer he can go. I hope it's a long time, but the stuff he puts his body through match in and match out is something to, to revel at and marvel at, but you're just like, man, how much can the body take? Um, But I just hope when he does right off into the sunset, which I hope is many, many years from now, he's just on a yacht with his bomb ass suit, his bomb sunglasses (laughs) with a nice cigar just living it up. I mean, this guy is truly a legend. I'm happy audiences all across the world are, are appreciating what Big Tom uh, can can definitely do and, and what stars that he's making within these matches. He definitely made a lot of people, including Taichi, including Moxley, including Shingo, you know, that elevated them to the next level. Especially, like, you could even almost say in a whole Taichi, um, how much better like, like the Taichi stuff was was actually it's like, it's that was the best Taichi match I've ever seen, honestly. Like, I, I mean, I'm like, holy cow, man! You know, even when Taichi beat him for the title, it was it was good. Like, and it had the normal Taichi shenanigans where you're just like, ugh. But it's like, oh, you know what? I don't hate it. Like, I can live with this. <laughs> um. But man, yeah, I mean, Tomohiro Ishii is just—he's so good. That's why, like I said, I want you to go back and watch some of these matches from like, like there's some there's some really good like the. Did you ever did you get into this in time to see the Ishii Shibata stuff for the Never Title? Uh, no, I did okay, not. So like, like new if beginning. I, did, I don't remember it because I was like, who's <laughs> Okada? <laughs> look, look back at I think like New Beginning 
2016. Also, like, they had a G1 match that was just incredible between the two of them. Um, some other really good Ishii stuff is, like I said, obviously the Honma match yep. is just pure greatness, how great that match was. Um, wow. He had some really, really good stuff for that title, um, feuding with Togi Makabe. Um, and, I mean, as you can imagine, that was the epitome of just two hosses just beating the shit out of one another. <laughs> you know? And, and he's come on, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's doing his, his togeisms and, you know, he's just, like, laughing. There's also a lot of good stuff when, um, I, I don't think it was for long, but uh, Ishii lost the Never title, I think it was, to Tetsuya Naito. Um, and this is when Naito was the Stardust genius. So it was it was like babyface Naito, like, yay, that kind of one. And yeah, um, I never want to see that, ever. Yeah, well, the crowd didn't either when they voted Nakamura and Tanahashi for the IC over Okada and him <laughs> at Wrestle Kingdom 8. Uh, I think it was 8. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, even that stuff was, was fantastic. But, I mean, this dude, this dude is a, just, just, just a gem. And, and somebody I'm glad that, that you got to witness too with how, how good he is. Oh, I mean, um, I've been saying this for the last couple of G1s. I mean, him and, and Kenny Omega from last year, night 14. I remember the night number, Ryan. Uh, was just such a, a, a classic, instant classic where when during All In last year at the bar, we're sitting there watching the replay of Kenny Omega and Tomorashi, where people were just all around the TVs. It was just amazing. Uh, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 29 tournament drew a total of 97,215 fans, which is up 6.5% from last year's. Um, the final three nights at Budokan Hall, which uh, sold out, um, but the attendance they were saying for uh, Kota Ibushi and Jay White was slightly down from last year's final with Ibushi and the Hiroshi Tanahashi. But get this, only by like 96 people. Uh, this year's right. 12,014, where last year's drew 12,112. The final sold out ahead of time in both cases. However, um, as they stated, the A Block final was up from last year with Kazuchika Okada and Abushi drawing 9,641 compared to 6,180 for Okada and Tanahashi last year. B Block final was down, however, with 9,821. Good ass number, though, uh, for Tetsuya Naito and Jay White. Um, Shingo Takagi and Hiroki Goto and Moxley Juice Robinson rematch, which again, awesome match. Can't wait for that third one. Uh, compared to 
favorite folly match, ironically. So the best folly match. Tanahasi Archer, I went four and a quarter. Abushi Sonata, four and a half. Kenton Evil, four and three quarters. And Okada Osprey, four and three quarters. So that was my show of the tournament. Um, tremendous. Nice. And that was a Corican show, too. So, I mean, they definitely had their working shoes on for sure. Um, great tournament, man. This was a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to, to check out the next on the list, the stardom tournament starts uh, two nights from now, uh, tomorrow night, actually, or tomorrow or, or Sunday morning, Saturday morning, whatever. Um, great stuff there. Tomorrow, we come back with the rest of our Triple Hunter, night three. Um, for those of you following along with what we're going to be talking about, um, All Japan Summer Action Series night uh, uh, from the 27th and 28th. Not the whole shows, if you want to follow what we're talking about. Uh, from the the tag night number seven, which was on the 27th of July, we'll be talking Violent Giants, Shuji Ishikawa and Suwama defending the All Japan World Tag Team titles against the Extreme, Jake Lee and Naomi Nomura. Some other good stuff in case you hey. want to so, um, Issa 8, Kenzo Miyahara, and Yuma Aoyagi took on Ryuji Sai and the Big Guns back together, the Bodyguard and Zeus. Um, and then we had some junior tag battle glory matches on this. Um, we got Atsushi Maruyama and Black Mansori took on Hikaru Sato and Yusuke Okada. Um, Kagatora and Yosuke Sanamuya took on Keiichi Sato and Koji Iwamoto. And we also got uh, Banana Senga and Sutomu uh, Osugi taking on Hokoto Omori and Akira Francesco. Um, also, uh, the, the Geora TV title match, Yoshitatsu against Toru. Not Taru, but Toru. Uh, I don't know where he came out of the woodwork from. He's one of those, like, heat-up kind of dirty, independent Japanese ones where they don't really get a lot of, like, 20 people, if I remember right. But, uh, yeah, so he made it. And then we'll be talking uh, from night eight. This was on July 28th. Uh, two matches that we will be talking about. It was a it was a small show once again to six matches, so it's not a long one. But we're talking the last two matches of this. Um, Kagatora and Yosuke Santa Maria from Dragon Gate taking on Hikaru Sato and Yusuke Okada, the Aoki Junior Tag Battle Glory Final. And then obviously the Triple Crown title match, Kento Miyahara defending against Zeus. So those are the matches if you want to follow along to watch from that. Um, we will be talking the uh, August 7th um, <laughs> Gate of Adventure Night 4 from Dragon Gate that had the awesome Shin Skywalker and Ben K against Yamato and Kai tag match at the main event. And then also we will be talking the DDT show from July 21st. Um, if I remember the exact date, I thought that's what I had said, but I might be wrong. Um I'm just going back into it just to be safe. Is it Takashita um, versus? Uh... It's the 21st. It's the uh, it's the summer vacation 2019 show. Um, this has the Kota Umeda retirement on it. Yep. Uh, a really good card too. Uh, eight man tag. We get Shin Makatsumata, Nobuhiro Shibatami, Mike Bailey, and Kota Umeda taking on Daiki Shimomura, Mizuki Watase, Naomi Oshimura, and Yuki Ueno. Uh We get Dragon Potato Mask which is Antonio Honda, um, Akito, Kazuki Hirata, and Saki Akai taking on King Potato Chips, which was Toro Washi. Um, Asuka, Gota Ihashi, uh, Alex's favorite wrestler, the old, like, Israeli dude, if you know what I'm talking about, the, like, genie guy. Oh, um, yeah. 
Takanashi. Uh, Takanashi. Uh, we had a three t- three way tag team match. Damnation members: Mad Pauly and Tetsuya Endo taking on Makoto Oishi and Yuki Onaya, who's still probably recovering from getting his ass beat by Hideki Suzuki. Um, and also taking on an awesome pairing: Yukio Sakaguchi, former Shooting do- Doji member, and Kazusada Haguchi. That's an awesome little tag team. Um, the match I'm stupid excited for, Nodi Q Mao taking on my guy, Jiro Aikaman Kurochio. Um, this is probably his farewell before he goes to the factory that is the Performance Center. Boo, piss. Um, six-man tag, we got Hiroshima, Sanshiro Takagi, and Shinya Aoki taking on Super Sasadaro Machine, Ken Oka, and Hideki Suzuki. And then the two main title matches, uh, KOD Tag Titles, Daisuke Sasaki and Soma Takao of Damnation taking on Hiroshi Yamato and Joey Ryan, uh, which we saw uh, Peter Pan lead up to it. And then Kenori Outweight title, Kanosuke Takashita, Chris Brooks. Chris Brooks. I, I, was gonna, I kept thinking Alex Shelley because he's on a comeback rule lately. But yeah, Chris Brooks. CCK. Um, uh, speaking of CCK, just think of this. Uh, you were talking about tag teams. We'll also preview the, uh, the three nights of... PWG's uh, Battle of Los Angeles since the cards were just announced. Uh, not a match that's going to happen. Uh, not only is Aussie Open going to take on the Rascals, which that's going to freaking rock, you get Jeff Cobb and Brody King taking on Jonathan Gresham and Daisuke Sakamoto. Holy shit! <laughs> well, this was the last night was going to be our touring the Puro, uh, but but we are talking uh, Boa as well after hearing that. Well, <laughs> you just Alex threw the fishing line out, and I just caught it. I came in, and I'll just give you one match. Night one, Jeff Cobb will be taking on Daisuke Sakamoto. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at WrestleCast underscore SSM, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash WrestleCast with the T. Uh, of course, all the podca- podcast formats, search WrestleCast Radio or Strong Style Media. Give us some likes, some love, comments, shares over on Facebook, WrestleCast Radio, Strong Style Media. We conglomerate. <laughs> <laughs> Respect my conglomerate. I think I still have that. Maybe. I don't know. Can I leave us with the conglomerate? Yes, I can. Conglomerate. Yeah. We'll catch you off. Night three and triple hair tomorrow. Have a good one.